Hi, and thank you for listening to today's podcast. Yesterday, we had the privilege of hearing our own Andrew Preston open God's word, making the connection between the table, the Eucharistic meal, and the peace of God. Now, at the end of the sermon, we had some technical difficulties and actually lost the end of the recording. I just want to encourage you to keep an eye out at restorationmpls.org, our website, and Andrew will be posting a blog uh, with some of the notes from that sermon, including the remarks at the end that we lost due to those technical difficulties. So just wanted to say keep an eye out there, and thanks for listening. Good morning. Um, again, my name is Andrew, and um, we are, my wife and I are ministry residents here at Restoration Anglican. And uh, it is a joy to be with you all this morning. Thank you, Father Rick, for the opportunity to open the scriptures. Um, my wife and I have uh, been here at Restoration since around 2018. And uh, initially we were planning on staying, or we were planning on only staying in Minnesota for about two or three months. And then we found a church called Restoration Anglican, and we fell in love with you guys. And so we've been here for uh, two plus years um, because of you all, because of this community and the work that God is doing uh, in this city and in this church. Um, so it is a blessing to be with you this morning and to serve you all through uh, the preaching of God's word. Uh, let me start by praying for us, and then we'll dive in together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open your scriptures to us, and Jesus, as you opened the scriptures to your disciples on the road of Emmaus, their, their exclamation was, did not our hearts burn? I pray that as we open your word, you would cause our hearts to burn for you. And in the breaking of the bread, would we see you and behold your glory and be transformed from one degree of glory to another. So I ask, Lord, speak for your servants here. And let no word fall to the ground. We ask that your gospel would run forth in word and sacrament. That you would nourish us. And that you would use these thoughts, these meditations, to build up your people. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock my Redeemer. Um, perhaps uh, an attentive reading to the lectionary today, uh, I think there's two themes that stick out to us that are perhaps seemingly disconnected at first. In Isaiah and in Ephesians, we have this running theme of peace, namely that the Lord is proclaiming peace to his people, and in the church, God builds up the church as a culture of peace. But then that feels a little disconnected, perhaps, with our gospel reading. Our gospel reading is St. Mark's account of the feeding of the 5,000. And we might ask, what does peace and being a culture of peacemaking have to do with a meal? What does peace have to do with eating? And in this brief meditation this morning, I'd like us to think about how those two are connected by the lectionary and perhaps a deep 
and yet hidden wisdom. Both of those themes, peace and eating, blend together in a beautiful way when we see how both of them are consummated in the Eucharist. So this message, I want us to cast our gaze upon the table. I want you to look at the table and prepare for the table because the Eucharist is going to tie together these themes of being a people that grow into a culture of peace by eating, by the simple, ordinary act of consuming food. So let's dive into our text, and we'll take it in sort of three movements. I'll first land in Ephesians, um, and then we'll turn to Mark to pick up on that theme of eating. And then I want to lead us to the table and how our Eucharistic liturgy uh, pulls those two themes together. First, uh, Ephesians and the theme of peace. Uh, as we've been working through uh, the book of Ephesians this summer, last week Father Rick mentioned that the book of Ephesians is powerful in that it points us to how the church ought to be a culture of Christ. And here in our Ephesians passage in Ephesians 2, we see how the church is a culture of Christ who is our peace. And I think uh, these themes of peace and eating are very timely for us in this cultural moment. Uh, we don't have to go very far before we're uh, confronted with the brokenness and fragmentation of the world and our longing for peace um, in the midst of public discourse that's polarizing, in the midst of social media that is divisive. Brokenness and fragmentation in the world is evident in our community, in our families, in our friendships, in the world. And so peace is something that our world hungers for. And I think our passage in Ephesians is a powerful way to point us to how the church might be a culture of peace, how the, the Lord is building us up into a culture of peacemaking. In Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, the theme of peace is evident just by the fact that it's repeated four times. The word peace in Ephesians is used eight times total, and four times in these a uh, few verses. So the theme of peace seems evident just by the repetition of words. We see that Jesus is our peace who creates a new humanity or new society of peace by preaching peace to those who are far off and preaching peace to those who are near. For Paul, the differences that once brought a cause of division and hostility has now been done away with in Christ. Differences between socio-political, economic status, religious backgrounds, and ethnic identities no longer ought to be a cause of division and disunity in the body of Christ. Rather, the church is to be a culture built up in peace. In terms of socio-economic status, the paradigm was formerly one of exclusion. Those ones over there, those who are far off. 
But now this paradigm of exclusion has been transformed into embrace through the gospel. Those who are far off are brought near. Those once deemed alienated as sojourners and strangers are now brought into the commonwealth or citizenship of God's people and are now to be embraced as fellow citizens of the household of God. Sociopolitically, these two uh, divisive groups, Jew and Gentile, are now created into one new humanity. In our ESVs, it says one new man, literally one new anthropos, one new humanity, a beautiful allusion back to Genesis 1 and 2 and God's purposes and ends for human beings, that we are created to be brought into a peace relationship with both God and one another and with creation. Um, the church is to embody this culture of shalom as God ordained from the very beginning of time. And now the church takes up that role again as the new humanity and new, so new society marked by a new body politic. We are a people that embody a life of peace and reconciliation through Christ. And I don't need to go into uh, a discourse about our politics or economy. Uh, you can use your imaginations of how this text then transforms the way we perhaps could see a public uh, theology, a new body politic through uh, the church. Religious backgrounds in this passage. The difference in religious backgrounds find their consummation in the common faith of Christ. We see the contrast between Gentiles or the non-Jewish with the Jewish people. Those who are described uh, as being without God, the Gentiles being without God and having no hope in the world in contrast with the Jewish people who had distinct religious practices. Their religious customs and rituals centered around their worship life, namely at the temple, with a literal physical partition that separated the ethnic Jews from the Gentiles. And Christ in his church says those walls have been broken down. In place, the church, this new humanity and new society is being built up into a new temple. So see that movement of physical temple with a physical partition broken down as a way that our uh, perhaps racial injustice and ethnic differences is shattered and crumbles in place of the church being built up into a new temple, a temple that functions as the dwelling place of God's presence by his spirit in the world. So our Ephesian passage uh, pulls together this theme of the church being a culture of peace. Church, Christ died for your unity. And this passage ought to speak volumes in the way we embody that in our culture today. Let us be an embodiment of the culture of peace that Christ has built us into through faith in Christ. Let's take that theme of peace and now put it juxtaposed with the Gospel of Mark. What is peace 
peacemaking have to do with eating. Now in the Gospel of Mark, we have uh, Mark's account of the feeding of the 5,000. And there's uh, specifically four verbs that I want us to land on in this passage. Four verbs are take, bless, break, and give. And I think these four verbs are helpful for us to enter into thinking about the shape of this meal. Verse 40 in Mark 6, And Jesus, taking up the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke those loaves, broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Take, bless, broke, and gave. Here, Jesus offers a banquet in the wilderness, reminiscent of God's provision of the people in the wilderness, giving them manna. Perhaps the difference, though, is the manna could not be collected and stored. But by the end of our narrative in Mark's gospel, we see there's an abundance of leftovers. The feast of the kingdom that Mark portrays in the feeding of the 5,000 is a banquet of abundance. It moves from the wilderness to new creation. Perhaps you caught that with some more repetition. Paul, uh, Mark talks about how uh, they're in a desolate place, and then they're in a desolate place. And the apostles talk about how they're in a, a desolate place. But then, as Jesus turns and has compassion on the crowds, he, command, he commands them to sit down on what? The green grass. He takes our wilderness and turns them into pastures. And the host of the banquet is the shepherd himself, the shepherd who has compassion on those who are like those who are like sheep without a shepherd. And that phrase there is a powerful phrase referencing back to Numbers 27, where Moses is crying out to the Lord, lamenting that the people have no leader to lead them into the promised land, and they are in need of someone who would care for them. So he's lamenting to the Lord, look at your people who are sheep without a shepherd, provide a leader that would lead them into the promised land. And incidentally, the name of the successor of Moses is Joshua. And if anyone knows Greek and Hebrew, Joshua is the same name as Jesus in the original languages. So here you have this beautiful picture of Mark painting a sort of new exodus or this vision of a new creation where Jesus, the new Joshua, is going to lead his people into the promised land of the new creation through a feast. Okay. He takes the five loaves, and surprisingly about the taking, is see the bewilderment of the apostles. Jesus, send the crowd away because it's getting late and a desolate place, and have them go into the town and provide uh, food for them so that they can buy food to eat. And Jesus turns to the apostles and says, you feed them. And in their bewilderment, their perception is one of lack. With, with what, Jesus? We have five loaves, 
two fish, it would cost 200 denarii, eight months of wages to go into the town and buy enough food for all these people. We are in sufficient lack, Jesus. How could we provide for these people? But our shepherd doesn't look at our lack. He looks at what we have ready in hand. What do you have? Five loaves, two fish, bring them here. And he blesses them. Ordinary meal, bread, fish are blessed as sacred. The ordinary and the mundane are made holy. And he breaks them. Can't help but imagine that Jesus didn't just think about him passing out bread mindlessly, but he's thinking in his mind, I am the bread of life. And soon I will be broken for my sheep. And John says that explicitly in John 6. Uh, after his narrative of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus goes into a discourse on the bread of heaven, that he is the bread of heaven, and those who feast on his flesh and drink his blood will have life. And he gives. He gives freely to us who are hungry, hungry for justice and peace. Jesus offers a banquet, a feast of the kingdom for his people. All right, peace and eating. Uh, hopefully that kind of felt like two different sermons there. And you feel the disconnect of, okay, peace and eating. Let's see where this is going now as they're pulled together in the Eucharist. I want to point us to the table now and think about how the Eucharist transforms our imagination where peace and eating actually don't seem so disconnected after all. And perhaps you're already thinking, duh, Andrew, they fit together, right? Um, but if not, let's walk together through the Eucharist and see how peace and eating are linked in a beautiful way. Where does the church learn to practice a culture of peace? And how? We learn it at the table, the Eucharist table, by the act of eating. And I hope that that just sticks with you in a radical way. How can we as a church embody a culture of peace in a radical way in our culture that so hungers for justice and peace and reconciliation? You eat and you feast together. Ephesians pointed to the Eucharist as we saw how peace builds up the church through his flesh and his blood. Those who are far off are brought near by the blood of Christ, and the dividing wall of hostility is broken down by his flesh. So flesh, blood. Or perhaps, even more clearly, Mark's gospel points us to the Eucharist. Those four verbs, take, bless, broke, gave, are the very structure of our Eucharist. And moreover, Mark wants us to be thinking about the Eucharist because those same four verbs are repeated in Mark's institution of the Lord's Supper. So Mark 14, verse 22. 
And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it and gave it to them, said, take, this is my body. So Mark wants us to read this feeding of the 5,000 narrative in a Eucharistic way. That the feast in the, of the kingdom in the wilderness is pointing to a greater feast and a greater, a greater banquet, namely the Eucharist in anticipation of the wedding feast of the Lamb.